Now, we're starting a series today called First, because I really believe the way you prioritize your life is how your life is going to turn out. What do you want out of life? Well, then you prioritize your schedule towards what you want out of life. And Jesus talked about priorities. And so today we're beginning, I'm just going to call this putting God first. Now, this may seem elementary to some of you, but here's what I've learned in 33 years of pastoring. It takes a long time for most believers to catch on to the elementary things. I mean, you can be saved 30 years and you're still not putting God first, right? So I'm going to start basic and we're going to go from there and it's going to be good stuff today. But let's, let's read. Look what Jesus said. So don't worry about these things. Matthew 6, 31 through 33. Don't worry about these things. Saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? These things dominate. Now, watch what Jesus said. He knew people. These things, these worries dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Now, read verse 33 out loud with me, would you? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Father, thank you for your word today, and I pray you'll bless it and help us, Lord, at the beginning of this new year to prioritize God so that we can extract the most potential, the most blessing, the most victory out of this year. And we thank you for it. Now, will you breathe a prayer, church, and say, Lord, open my ears and eyes that I can hear what you're saying to the church today. Speak to my heart personally in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, first things first. First things first. Oh, this is so good. I'm really looking forward to this series. I'm I'm really, I'm tempted to even jump ahead, but I won't. I I read recently of an old uh, recipe for rabbit stew. Really, seriously. It started out with this instruction. First, catch the rabbit. That makes sense, right? So, so if you want to eat, you must first catch what you're going to eat. If you want to get from the kingdom of God what he's called you to experience, you must first seek the kingdom. In a German art gallery, there's a painting by a German painter named Adolf Menzel. It's only partially finished, and it's been intended to show Frederick the Great speaking with some of his generals. That's what he started out to paint. Frederick the Great speaking with some of his generals. Menzel painted the generals, and he painted the background. But he left the king until last. He had outlined the king in charcoal, but then he died before he could finish the painting. So here's what you've got. Hanging on the wall of the gallery, you've got a painting that should have highlighted the king that was intended to highlight the king, that should have highlighted the king, but because everybody else and everything else was put first, the king never got his rightful place. And that's what you see in the painting. Now, let me tell you, many Christians come to the end of their life without ever having put Jesus into his proper place, and they put everything else first, and what should be a clear picture of Jesus etched into their character is only a shadow of charcoal. 
because he wasn't put first. Priorities matter. I want you to say with me, priorities matter, can we? Priorities matter. Priorities matter. And if you don't set the priorities for your life, somebody or something is going to set them for you. So often we get our priorities all messed up, and that's why our lives end up a mess as well, and that's the truth. If you don't put God first, I don't care if you've been saved 50 years, your life can end up a mess because God has not been first place in your life. We put the proverbial cart before the horse like a football fan I once read about. Speaking of football today, surprised to see an empty seat at the Super Bowl stadium, a diehard fan said something about it to a woman sitting nearby. It was my husband's, the woman explained, but he died. Oh, I'm so sorry, said the man. I'm really surprised that another friend or relative didn't jump at the chance to take this seat reserved for him. And she said, beats me. They all insisted on going to the funeral. How many of you can say her priorities are messed up? And some of you were right there with her until I said that. Several times, Jesus begins his teaching on a certain topic with the word first. Jesus said first all the time, first. And when Jesus said it, that meant that God was speaking to us from heaven on priorities. When he said first, in the Sermon on the Mount alone, if you go through it, you'll find that Jesus said first three times about three different things. On relationships, he said, first, be reconciled to your brother, then come worship God. On lifestyle, he said, seek first the kingdom of God. On judging others, he said, first, take the beam out of your own eye so that you can remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, we all know what the word first means. Let me give you a simple definition. It means to place one thing in front of everything else. That's first to place one thing in front of everything else. It is to prioritize one thing above all other things and issues of life. First, Jesus said first. For those of you that are following me, I'm giving you a first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We usually put it this way. I really need to get my priorities in order. We always do it at New Year's. We make our New Year's resolutions. And what are we doing at New Year's with those resolutions? We're always seeking to put our priorities in order. And how long do they stay in order? How long does it last? Well, a few weeks, a month. I don't think there's anything more forsaken or neglected than that exercise bike in that special room in your house that you bought at New Year's. You had every good intention. You're going to prioritize it but it goes by the wayside. Now, I want you to picture this scene with me because Jesus, for me, he's not just savior. He's my philosopher. He's my teacher. He's my guide. He's my instructor. We think of Jesus, we think of somebody just sort of otherworldly, always in the stars, uh, always with his head in a spiritual cloud. And, And he came to die for me and he rose from the dead. But we don't picture Jesus as teacher. He's our teacher, as our philosopher. He puts every other philosopher in the history of mankind totally in the shade. He's in his own stratosphere. Jesus told us how to live life. I want you to picture this scene with me. 
This verse was plucked from, our text verse, from the Sermon on the Mount. And as Jesus taught that day, he sat on a hillside, the Mount of Olives. And before him, there there was a vast multitude of people who had followed him there. There was a sea of faces representing a complete cross-section of humanity. There were people of different races, economic groups, lifestyles, professions, educational backgrounds, worldviews. There was a huge conglomeration of different people from different pasts and with different situations and different stresses. And while we tend to think about them because they're way back in the first century, that they weren't like us. Listen, one thing I've learned, I've been in many places in the world. I've been in many places, many other countries. And I can tell you, the human heart is the same everywhere you go. It's exactly the same. So these people listening to Jesus 21 centuries ago had cares and concerns. They had worries and fears about the future. And Jesus, as God in flesh, knew all about their worries and all about their fears and all about their concerns. He knew all about it. And so the first thing he told them, looking at them, and by the way, he devoted one-third of the Sermon on the Mount to talking about not worrying about your life. He said, don't worry about your life. First thing he said to them, don't worry about your life. I see the furrowed brows among you. I see the, the looks of concern on your countenance. I know what you're carrying. And I'm here to tell you, I came from heaven to earth to tell you, don't worry about your life. Can we just say together, don't worry about it. Now, if I don't know the Lord, I'm going to worry all about all kinds of things. He said, but knowing the Lord, don't worry about it. Three times in the Sermon on the Mount, not only did he use the word first, but three times he commanded his followers, don't worry about your life. Now, let me just take that word worry and tell you what it means in the original language. The word worry comes from a Greek word meaning to be distracted. I- I'm distracted. Something has, has got my attention and it's distracting me from what I should be focused on, really focused on. I should be looking over here, but I'm looking over here because I'm worried about something over here. So worry is a distractor from what we ought to be focusing on. Jesus said, don't be distracted from your focus on my kingdom by worrying about things your heavenly father is already going to take care of as a side benefit if you seek him first. He talked about worrying over food and clothing and shelter. And he assured them that the God who fed the sparrow is also going to take care of them. And then he said, don't worry about tomorrow. Oh, that's a big one. Don't worry about tomorrow. He said, because tomorrow has enough trouble all by itself, sufficient unto the day are the things you need to be concerned about. I want you to think with me for a minute. Today is the tomorrow you were worried about yesterday. Now, I'm going to say that again. I'm going to walk you through it. Today is the tomorrow that yesterday you were worried about. Now, is it as bad as you thought it was going to be? Probably not. Here you are in church. You worship God. You're hearing a word from the word of God. God is with you. He's in you. He's around you. He's above you. He's below you. He has enveloped you in his love. It's not as bad as you thought. Don't borrow from tomorrow's troubles and bring them into today. 
Don't worry about it. I'll tell you, I was raised in a family of worriers. My family were, were professional worriers. I've got relatives today that if you don't want to worry about it, I'll let you call them. They'll worry about it for you. Worry is a learned response to the stresses of life. And Jesus said, I want you to learn to cast your cares upon me, for I care for you, and I'm not going to let you down. I will never leave you, forsake you, walk out on you. When everybody else walks out, I'm going to walk in. I'm for you. I'm with you. I'm in you. And I'm going to get you to the finish tape at the end of life. So don't worry about it. And then he gave us the number one key to victory. He said, now, now deal with worry, and let me tell you what you should really be focusing on. Here's the key from the master philosopher to a fulfilled and happy life. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So Jesus gave to every one of his people a priority. Here's our priority. That's what he's doing. He's giving us a priority. Seek first. Instead of worrying, seek. Seek first. The kingdom of God, his message is as clear as a bell. Rather than wasting your time and energy on worrying about provision and worrying about the future that hadn't arrived yet, spend your time focusing on a relationship with God. You remember Martha and Mary? Martha was careful and troubled. It's the same word there for careful. That means she was worried and troubled about many different things. But Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. And Jesus told Martha, 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 you're so worried and up now. I'm paraphrasing. This is a revised Wickwire version. He said, Martha, you're so worried and uptight and wrought, overwrought about so many things. But Mary has chosen the good part, and it will not be taken away from her. And what was the good part? She was seeking Jesus. She was at the feet of Jesus. She was listening to the word of God. And Jesus said, that will never be stolen from her. She is investing in spiritual treasure. He promised if you put my kingdom first, all the things that our world is always worried about will be added to you as a side benefit. I'll take care of you if you seek me. Now, he's not telling us not to work. He's not telling us to go on welfare and just sit at home and pray and seek God all day. He's telling us it's a first thing. I want you to put the kingdom first. He didn't say it's the only thing. He said it's the first thing. I want you to put it first. I've had people tell me in my years of pastoring that they tried Christianity and it didn't work for them. Yeah, I tried all that. It didn't work for me. I prayed. I didn't get any answers to prayer. And then I say to them, wait a minute. Christianity is never tried and found wanting as long as it's tried right. Christianity won't work without him being in first place. The car you drove here, you had to put a key in the ignition and turn it on. That car may be beautiful. It may be impressive. It may have all kinds of horsepower. But without that key, that car is going nowhere. That car was designed for a key to go into an ignition that fires up the whole thing. And it's the same with Christianity. It's beautiful it's impressive. It promises all kinds of things, but it will not work without the key of putting God first. 
That's a good place to say amen or oh me or something. Come on, everybody. It won't work. You got to put him first. So in a nutshell, Jesus' advice on how to do this is, I'm going to focus on this last part now fully. He said, here's the deal with life. You're going to follow me. You want to bear fruit. You want to have victory. You want to have a walk with God that is fulfilling to you, where you experience his love, where the word opens to you, where you look like Jesus, walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus, think like Jesus, manifest Jesus, reflect Jesus everywhere you go. You want the fruit of the kingdom? Then the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. I wish I'd coined that, but I didn't. But it's good enough for me to preach. I want you to say with me the main thing is to keep the main thing. The main thing. We're going to try it again because some of you don't know what to make of it. Let's try it again. The main thing is to keep the main thing. The main thing. That, that's my philosophy of life. I get up every day. Here's, here's my job. Here's my call. Here's my resolve. The main thing for Jeff is to keep the main thing, Jesus, the main thing in my life. He's first, not last. He's first, not second. I'm second. He's first. When spiritual things like the kingdom of God, the Lord Jesus, the will of God, and prayer, when these things are put first, this is the good ground in which spiritual fruit grows. Victory is assured, and God's purpose for us is fulfilled. When the main thing is the main thing, only one thing should hold first place in our life, and that's the main thing. And Jesus said, it is the kingdom of God. Now, for me, the kingdom of God is summed up in Jesus Christ. The main thing is to keep Jesus the main thing in my life. That's the call to every believer. And if you don't do that, you'll still get to heaven. Sure you will. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're going to get to heaven, but you're you're not going to bear the fruit that you would have. You're not going to have the impact that you would have. You're not going to experience God like you would if you put his kingdom and him first in your life. Let me say it again. He didn't say the kingdom was the only thing. He said it was to be the first thing. The top priority, the number one pursuit, the primary focus is to be Jesus and his kingdom. Let me tell you something about the Lord. He's never to be the back burner or treated as an afterthought. Or serve as a flat tire God. The only time I call on him is when I get a flat in life, when I'm in trouble. And unless I'm in trouble, I don't call on him. He's just kind of out there for me, waiting to help me if I get into a jam. But that's not it. No, the real Christian is called to love him, to daily seek him, to daily abide in him, to daily enjoy him, and to daily bear forth and bring forth the fruit of the kingdom of God. Let me, let me give you an illustration. You remember those old wagon wheels that, that you see in the old westerns, uh, you, you got the uh, stagecoach, and there's those wooden wagon wheels, and there's a hub, there's a hub, and then those wooden spokes go out throughout the wheel. Let's say there's six spokes, okay? And you got that hub. Now, what would happen to that stagecoach and to that wagon wheel if I set the hub on fire? If I set that hub on fire, It's going to reach out and it's going to touch every spoke. 
Let's say those spokes are the issues of life, relationships, money, God, sin, temptation, fruit-bearing, the issues of life, your marriage, your children, where you live, where you go to church, what, you're, what you do with your life. The hub is the kingdom of God. The hub is Jesus Christ. Or the hub is you, and you have put you first place in your life, your own interests, your own desires, your own longings, your own will, and that's the hub. Well, whatever touches the hub touches the rest of all the issues of your life. And if you set that hub on fire, that whole stagecoach is going to collapse because every one of those spokes is going to burn and collapse. That wheel will have no more strength and it will collapse. Jesus said, he that hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, I will liken him unto a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and they all three beat on that house, the hub, and it fell. And great was its fall. Why did it fall? Because the hub did not have Jesus. At the center of that person's life was not Jesus. It was not Jesus. It was them. They were living for them. They were on the throne of their life, not Jesus. But if Jesus is the center of your life, then the hub is strong. Therefore, all the spokes are strong. The issues of your life are all touched by what you do with the hub, the center, the throne of your life. And there are people that are saved, they've been saved their whole life, raised in church, but never have they allowed that hub to be Christ at the center of their life, seeking him, he's first, his will, his word, his spirit. Always they've kept themselves at the center. And it's reached out and it's touched all the issues of their life. And you can see all the issues of their life are troubled, are not what they ought to be. There's all kinds of conflicts and failures and this and that. Because the hub, the hub is what matters. I'm talking to you today about the hub of the wheel. Is Jesus Lord? Now, he's always Lord. But have you allowed his lordship into your life? where the hub is all about Jesus. See, if you put him first, that's the hub. And you know what? Your life is only as strong as that hub. When the kingdom of God is number one and Jesus is on the throne of your heart and the Holy Spirit has hold of the steering wheel of your life and the word of God is your number one instruction manual and, we, and you are bowed to his will in all things, then all the other areas and issues of your existence are going to be transformed and blessed because Jesus is number one. Everybody say with me, he's the boss man. Now, you don't make him boss. He's already boss. Is when are you going to wake up and realize it? The fact of life is that if you don't intentionally put Jesus at the center of your life, and I said intentionally, if you don't intentionally, then, then other things are naturally going to fill the first place in your life by default. It might be sports. There's going to be people that will not be in church today. I'm just throwing it out there. 
Because, because boy, when the Cowboys are winning, oh, when the Cowboys, listen, I learned a long time ago, pastoring in Fort Worth, when the Cowboys are winning and they play at noon, my nine o'clock grows, my 11 o'clock shrinks. It might be money. Oh, there are so many people that their primary thing in life is money, fame, or a coveted career. You want that career? You want that position that you've always wanted in that corporation? You want to reach that pinnacle? And that is first to you or some person, a relationship, or a habit. That's what's first in your life. You see, let me tell you something about you and me here today. Everybody in this sanctuary and everybody watching by streaming video, you already have a first thing right now. There is a first thing you have placed above all others in your heart right now. Right now. You don't need to go think about it. It's already there. Something is first. And Jesus called it your treasure. Your treasure is what you value above all else. It's whatever has captured your heart. Jesus said wherever your treasure is, there is where I will find your heart. And wherever your heart is, there is where I'll find your treasure. Jesus said, whatever is first in your life is also your treasure. Because whatever you have decided to treasure above all things is what is invariably, by default, going to be first. Now, it's easy to find out what your treasure is. You want me to tell you how how to know today what your treasure is? I've learned this long ago just watching people and watching myself. Here it is. Your treasure is wherever your feet are going. Your feet will always follow after your treasure. Your treasure is what gets most of your time, most of your energy, your effort, and your sacrifice. You give up things for that treasure. Tell me what your treasure is, and I'll show you what you're chasing. Whatever you're chasing in life primarily reveals your treasure. Your feet always follow after whatever your treasure is. If your treasure is money then I'll guarantee you that's what you're chasing, though you're in church every every week and, and you may read your Bible, but truth be known, you're chasing after that money more than him. If your treasure is a person, then that's what you're chasing. But if your treasure is God, then that's what you're chasing. Amen. I, you know, I have dogs. I've told you I have dogs. One thing I've noticed about my dogs, they are totally predictable. When I open the back door and let them out, They all head in a certain direction. Don't ask me why. When we get to dog heaven, I'm going to ask them, why did you always go that way? But they always go a certain direction. You know what I've noticed? That there is now a trail in the grass where they always go. As soon as I let them out, all three of them run out back, and they go the same direction. They end up in the same place, and now there's a trail. So I can tell where their heart is by the trail they leave. Now, if we were to look into your life and we could see what God sees, where is the most well-trodden trail? Where are we going to find your feet go all the time? Some of you are going to say the refrigerator. (laughs) Well, there's a real trail to that refrigerator, let me tell you. Or, or, Or there's a trail to that little box in the middle of your living room that all the furniture is turned towards. But, but how about a trail that leads to the prayer closet, that leads to the Word of God, that leads to the place where we're going to meet with God? What about a trail 
that will bespeak the fact that when I get up in the morning, I make a fast track to God. I get with God. And if you were to look at my life, that's where you're going to see the deepest trail. Don't, don't we want that? Isn't that what we want? That's why we're going through the Bible together this year. Jesus said, right in front of first, he said, seek. He said, I want you to seek first. That's a strong word. It means you've got to put effort. It means effort. Serious effort is to be made in putting first the kingdom of God. It must be intentional. If you sit around waiting for yourself to feel like doing it, you're going to wait maybe the rest of your life because sometimes you feel like it, sometimes you don't. It's not a matter of waiting till I feel like it or waiting till the spirit moves on me. No, I intentionally say, I'm going to leave a trail in my life. There's going to be a trail. When people look back on my legacy, they're going to say, let me tell you this about Jeff. He had faults, he had flaws, but one thing I saw in his life, he always sought God. He sought God. That's what I want people to say. And so do you. And there's a trail. He left a trail. She left a trail. It doesn't take much effort to do many things instead of seeking God, sitting down and reading the Bible for one hour. What takes more effort? Sitting down reading the Bible for an hour or sitting down to read People Magazine or grabbing your iPhone to see who's saying what on Facebook? What takes more effort? How about spending one hour of intense prayer and supplication for others or spending two hours watching a movie? What's easier? What's harder? Kingdom of God takes effort. It takes intention. I have decided to follow Jesus. Going out on Monday night on a soul-winning visit, is that easier than going to Starbucks with friends? No. Going to Starbucks with friends is easier. I don't think there's one person in this city in 10,000 who if you call them up today and said, hey, I've got tickets, box seats for the game today, who would say to them, you know, gee, wow, gosh, sorry, I'd love to, but I've already decided to spend time with God. And that'd be cutting into that time, and I just can't do that. No, we would hear another voice. I've provided these tickets. Forget about getting with me. (laughs) Go to the game. So listen very carefully. Here's the deal. We must intentionally, intentionally decide to seek God. It's resolved to put him first. I resolve my way. I'm going to close with this. My way, the way I live, my lifestyle is this. I get up in the morning. You know what I'm going to say. I grab my coffee that God made on the eighth day and said, it is good. And I, and, and I head straight for my Bible. And I sit down in my little place, same place every day. All my dogs know where I'm going because they're all there waiting for me when I arrive, because they know they're going to sit there with me for a while. And I open up that Bible, and I read the Word of God. Now, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I learned the hard way. You cannot live without the Word of God. You can't do it. That's why our whole church is going through the Bible together. And I'm getting all kinds of feedback, because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And here's my Resolve. No Bible, no breakfast. I put the word first. 
and I eat that word and I draw from that word and then I spend time in prayer with God and when I do that, my spirit man is strengthened, my mind is cleared, my faith is stronger and then I'm ready to go and defeat the devil that I know I'm going to encounter in this wicked world. I'm ready when I'm filled with the Holy Ghost having spent time with God and that's my pattern. I put him first to the best of my ability. I'm not perfect, but I'm sincere. What about you? I want us to stand together and we're going to read a verse, Colossians 3, 1 to 3. We're going to read it out loud. And this is for all of us who need to be putting God first. Are you ready? Read it with me. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind. Stop a minute. Set your mind. Say that with me. Set your mind. You know what that means? Make up your mind. Make up your mind. Set your mind. Where? On things above, not on things on the earth. And then it goes on and said, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. See, every person in here who knows Jesus, you're dead to the old life. And you have been raised to walk in newness of life. And so he says, therefore, don't be earthly minded. Be heavenly minded. It's not true when you say, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. No, the more heavenly minded you are, the more earthly good you are. Is he first in your life? Is he the, is he the hub? Or is he just one of the spokes? Well, it's Sunday, so I go to church. And it's a spoke. But the hub is you and whatever you want to do, however you want to live. When he's the hub, every spoke gets set on fire with Holy Ghost fire. And every spoke in your life is touched by the finger of God. 